Welcome to People's Church Podcast. We talked about prove him now. We started that uh, last week. Prove me now is a statement that God made. We recognize that most of the time our life is spent proving ourselves, but God really gave you life to prove him. And that's why all the faith today, all the singing about it, the specials about it, is just laying that groundwork for understanding the dynamic of the gift of life that you have as a Christian. That you are here to bring glory to God in every which way that you do things. Jesus uh, was very plain about that in his teachings, and the apostles followed up and said things like this, whatever you do for the Lord, do it with everything you've got. Do it with your whole heart so that the glory goes to him. So there's this thing underlying our faith that's very important, that our decisions, our stewardship matters to the glory that God receives in this planet. Now, if God gets more glory in a family, guess what you have? You have more of the peace and the work of God in that family, simply because you're stewarding towards the glory of God. The more you steward to your own glory, the less of the good stuff you're going to have. The more of the good stuff comes simply because we're stewarding towards the glory of God. Prove me now. I don't know where you are right now with every situation in your life, but more than likely, there's something that might have even been around a long time that just outstrips your abilities to be able to respond or change or grow or do what's necessary. You might be frozen by somebody else's lack of decisions. You might be frozen in certain states because at this point in time, you don't have the power over here to change that. And that's the perfect time to really prove God now. Now, most of the times we think in terms of health reasons, but this just goes across the board. I mean, you can have all kinds of relationship things that just get stuck. You might have kids that going through stuff and you just wish you could work it all out and move them from A to Z, but you can't do that. And the reason you can't do this is because God is wired within every individual this incredible sovereign will. And that sovereign will has to be respected. But as that kid is making bad choices, it's really good to have a God you go to making good choices. That means your choices matter all the more. Your choices of faith in God during those periods when nothing seems to be working out the way that you want it to, this might affect your finances. This could be anywhere that you're stuck in these frozen states. Stuck because right now at this time, nothing's moving and nothing can move because you don't have full control of it. But God still is in control. And God's got plans. But those plans are only realized in the lives of people that learn how to steward by faith the opportunities that come in life. Today we're going to look at three men just quickly that are famous. You're going to know every one of their names and their stories. And uh, we're going to be looking at them and seeing some common tests that you're going to go through in faith. But if you will take on these tests, if you will go to God in these times, not when the pain is up here, but just stewarding it, knowing it's the wisdom to do so. If you will go to these places with God soon, you will find that God will begin to move some of those mountains. In Romans 15, 4, it says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance, catch that word, you could circle it, you could just note it. Through the endurance taught in the scriptures, and that's 
go into the biographies. And the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So we're going to look at three guys that are going to bring you some hope in some pretty impossible situations. In James 1, 2 to 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way. Now just stop there. Now everybody in the room knows that this is a part of the reality of life. Right here. When troubles of any kind, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, when troubles of any type come your way, consider it an opportunity. Now, I just park it there. Consider it an opportunity. Because we don't recognize it, but it's the tough things in life, the things that show us our limitations, that absolutely can motivate us to explore God's unlimitations. That's not a word. We're just throwing it in there. It's really important to understand the math of faith. Faith is really needed <clears throat> because Everything in life just about outstrips you. If you could handle everything in life, you don't need faith. If you could just go to heaven, you don't need faith. Faith is necessary because you've got far more gaps in life than you do blanks filled in. There's a lot in your formulas that doesn't work because you're human. Because we fall short, the Bible tells us. Then he says, consider it an opportunity, but not just an opportunity. He's saying when troubles of any time are going to come your way, you consider it an opportunity, but for what? For great joy. <clears throat> and he, then he goes on and he says, for you know that when your faith is tested, see that? Life is going to test your faith. And God wants it tested. God wants, because it's only through faith, it's only through faith that you can prove God now. So he wants it tested. And when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Because when you allow your faith to get tested, there's something about the muscle fiber of your life that strengthens up. There's something about your ability to be stronger emotionally, with your mind, even physically, and certainly spiritually. That you are these muscles that expand, they grow, this is endurance. It literally has a chance to grow when faith is tested. So he's saying, you got to take a look at all the troubles differently. you got to see them through the lens of, this makes me stronger. This is going to make the things that count in my life stronger. This is going to bring the good out of me. And so he says, so let it grow. Thank you. So let it grow. And that's an interesting thing. He's saying, give it permission. If, it's, if he's saying to you, so let it grow, he's saying, you have the power. So you need to let it grow. So he, basically, we could reverse that formula and say, so what is it that keeps faith from growing? Us? You? Me? Because we have to let it grow. Faith can, can be tested, and it's, it's there so it produces the endurance muscles. But you have to allow that test. You have to actually allow it to be a test of faith and not a test of you. A test of your faith, not a test of your other strengths. A test of your faith. That's different. Because faith makes you God dependent. All the other strengths he has given you, you can just kind of claim ownership and say, well, this got me through. 
You know, it can get you through some things, but it won't get you through the things that you don't have control of, by the way, which is most of life. Then it finishes off with this. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, when your muscle structures mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, when they are fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. What's he saying? He's saying you're going to be absolutely equipped. You're going to be complete in a maturity. The word is maturity. You will become mature because your faith has matured you into an endurance that is now mature and you are able to be perfectly complete. Then he says needing nothing. Why? Because you have the source of all things. Because your faith is connected to a God who has everything. God always tests those he intends to use. He always tests. Nobody's going to escape these tests. So these three stories we're going to take a look at, we're going to see the very same things in every story. Number one, every one of them will have an opportunity. An opportunity. God gives a promise. It's a promise is an opportunity. And you'll see as we work our way into these stories, every one of them had an opportunity. You have opportunity. The next thing that you're going to see that's common in these three stories is everyone had an obstacle or opponent. Obviously both. An obstacle or opponent. And thirdly, you're going to see as a common denominator in these stories, an ordeal. A time where endurance has to be there. Where it's going to be tested for sure. A waiting period or test. An ordeal. A long run on this. When is this going to change? Let's look at our first story. Let's talk about Noah for a second. Well-known man out of the scriptures. Had a unique experience with God. And you may have your test of faith, or God may test your faith with an impossible task. That's what Noah was given. He was given an impossible task. Now the the fact is, the largest challenges of life are going to really be these huge tasks that are beyond your just capacities to be able to do it within quick timelines or to be able to do it uh, to the nines that you want to do it to. It's an impossible, the word key here is impossible. It's an impossible task. So you might be dealing with what he was dealing with. He was dealing with a way, God gave him a way to save his family. You might be dealing with family issues right now. I talked to a young lady just recently from our church who, um, young lady, I don't know, 20, 21 that's almost cradle for me, right? So really young. And uh, she has been a Christian for a few years now. And she's had a mis- cool missionary experience. And then as I was talking to her, she also told me that in her life, like she's the only Christian in her family. And her heart is for her family. And that can seem like an impossible task. I don't know what's in your family. But I know in your family right now, you probably have an impossible task. And that impossible task is one in which it should push you into this test of faith. And God is saying, I want to test your faith. Are you going to trust me in this? Are you going to prove me now? It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. 
who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It's an interesting scripture and story. You know a good chunk of it, probably. So God tells Noah, I've got this impossible task for you. I want you to, on dry land here, nowhere near the sea, I want you to build this ark because there's judgment coming, and I want you to prepare this for you and your family. Sometimes um, God's going to ask you to do these things within your family and for your family. You might have a lot of people in your family that are even resistant to your faith. God just wants you to build an ark. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to engage with faith in him. Not take charge of everything, but to take charge of your faith and to place it in him, and you're being tested. But your endurance has a chance to grow, you see. And if your endurance grows, you're going to end up far more developed and even to a complete in a deep maturity that you're really ready for almost anything in life. See, one of the keys that make you strong in life is all of the battles you go through that prepare you to get to the place where you're pretty much ready for any battle that's going to come. God has equipped you. Because he has equipped your faith, he has responded to your faith, and he has built the muscle in you through this kind of a test. But this one came directly from God, and he gave him an impossible task, and he warned him about things that had never happened before. So this isn't even in his thing. Noah had no idea what a flood was. He didn't know what a flood was. He he had no file, flood file, here's what it is. He had no context that he had lived within or seen at that time in earth's geological history. And so what he had instead was just the choice to trust God, prove him now, and be obedient. And by that, because he exercised faith, they became the family through which God preserved the line so that all of humanity could be saved because that family came and became the origins of the families of the earth and one of those families ends up being the family through which Jesus Christ comes. So faith is believing when I don't see it. Brent just read that, Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is confidence. Now that's a key word, confidence. Confidence means sort of this idea and the sense of confidence is that, well, I I can tell you what the end product's going to be. I mean, it'll be some twists and turns, but I'm confident we get there. I know we'll get there. There's no doubt about it. Confidence and doubt are opposites. And he's saying, my faith is confidence in what we hope for. What's a high hope in your life right now? A hope of your own personal change, maybe. Maybe there's something you're trying to change and you'd love to see change in in something in your life. Maybe it's a physical habit. Maybe it's a a spiritual blockade. Maybe it's, it's history. Maybe it's something where you just are haunted by past decisions. And God is saying, ah, I want you to live with a confidence in faith, in what you hope for. Because I'm going to produce that. That's what faith does. And assurance about what we do not see. More or less, there has to be a blindness that starts with faith. Not a blindness about God, but a blindness about the answer. About what you want. 
You can't see it. You, if you look through your natural eyes, it looks so far from where it needs to be that you look at that distance and say that could never be covered. It's never going to be, you know, come together. Um, the fact is, is that's where perfect company for faith. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So what don't you see right now? Sometimes we look at other people that we're in relationship to in life and we would like to see some changes. We have hope that maybe that will change. Or maybe you're just looking at yourself and you've always had hope that this would change about you. Maybe it's about something with your relationships that needs to change. But the fact is, it starts with faith. That's where you get your confidence. Not that, oh, this person, I see some, a little bit of ground game or a little change over here or that. No, 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 no. Get your confidence from your faith. Confidence for what you hope for and then the assurance about what you don't see right now. Second guy we're going to talk about is Abraham. It's an interesting guy. He's called the father of faith. Abraham is oh, so revered around the world in so many uh, different Middle Eastern cultures and of course the cultures that have spread out from there and certainly within the major faiths of the world. And so you look at Abraham and you see a man that has huge influence in the way that he practiced something in his life. But what was it that made him so great? It was faith. Let's take a look at it. God may test your faith like Abraham's with a major change. With a major change. Change is a part of life. There are little changes all the time. They're going to come your way. You notice that pretty much every morning you're going to go look in the mirror. Changes are going to happen all the time. Life moves on. You move on. Everything kind of moves on. You might not be working the same job you're at right now next year. You may be um, not in the same locale that you're living right now. Changes change. It just is a part of our process. But on the other hand, there are times when there's major change. Huge cost paying change. Things that we know, oh my this changes the fundamental math of my life. That kind of change is what Abraham walked into. Hebrews 11.8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land. Let's just stop right there. He's 70 years old when this happens. He has lived within the house, and that means the generations of his father, they have built businesses, deep roots in the community. They had lived there their whole life for generations. And then God comes and impresses upon Abraham. And he speaks to him and says, Abraham, I'm calling you to leave home. What does that represent? Major change is always leaving behind some of the major comforts that we have. You and I have major comforts in our life. Some of those comforts are relational. Some of them are monetary. Some of them are uh, just time in a community or in a profession. It's just, we find comfort because it's become predictable and it's nothing that we're saying is wrong. We're saying that is our comfort. Now God comes along to Abraham and he doesn't just disturb one area of comfort. He disturbs every area of comfort. And he says, I'm calling you out from all your comforts. I want you to leave the region you grew up in. 
I want you to leave all the friends that you grew up in. I want you to leave where your generations have built businesses all through generations. I want you to leave the place that you know so well. I want you to leave the place where you can predict just about everything that's going to happen and you're connected to just about everybody around you. But I'm calling you out. I want you to leave comfort. That's major change. <clears throat> that's what he did to Abraham. Somewhere in your life, and it probably won't be wholesale change like that, but it's going to be something that you find great comfort in, and all of a sudden, God just says, I want you out of that comfort because I need to test your faith. I need to take you to where I want you to go, and we can't get there without your faith. You know, the pioneers, I always love reading about the pioneer uh, life. The pioneer life was an amazing life. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, nowadays, you hop on a plane, you can be in Germany in uh, seven seven hours. You can be in, or nine hours. You can be in, in, in Britain in seven hours. You can be, like, it's just like crazy. But when the pioneers came over and even up to this country, folks, they said goodbye. I mean, goodbye. Can you imagine, you know, they get on a ship, they come over, there is no quick returns. There is, there is no great communication that you're up on everybody's store that you can sit and, you know, Skype with everybody. There's none of this that exists. And they left comforts to build a life. By the way, you, and many of you will appreciate that, you now live in a lot of comfort where we are simply because they left discomfort and built something. God comes to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I want you to leave every comfort. I'm taking it all, buddy. You got to follow me. So let's finish off that scripture. And he says, God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went, now here's really the stunner phrase. He went without knowing where he was going. Okay, so we just did a trip for our 45th anniversary and went to Europe. And I, I, my sister-in-law, she, I just left that up to her. She just does all the research on where we're going to go and how you're going to do that. I like that. So she does all the research and gets it all laid out. We knew, we knew before we got there, basically, what this place was. Oh, yeah, I read about that. Oh, yeah, that's what you said about that. Or, yeah, I mean, you already pre-studied it all. He's saying... Abraham's God saying to Abraham, you're going to a place you don't even know. And by the way, you can't Google it. It's interesting. What an incredible challenge. Leave comfort, all comforts, not, not one or two. Leave them all. I've got a land for you that requires your faith. It's going to be your inheritance. What that meant was you're going to now has your family blessed you? You're going to now have a land that I'm going to bless you and all of your generations. He went without knowing where he was going. Sounds like most men, when they get in their car to go to dinner at somebody's house, they think they know the address to. <laughs> no idea where I am. Here's the point. He's left comforts. He doesn't have a future comfort to look at and say, oh, 
that looks so great. That hotel room's going to be fantastic. He can't look ahead and plan the trip. He's just following. Now in life, you and I must know that that is some of the most uncomfortable things to do, is not really know what's coming ahead. He went without knowing where he was going. So a major change, wholesale change. If you're going to have your faith tested like Abraham, it means your comforts, somewhere in your comfort world, that is going to have to be left. Somewhere in your comfort world. And thank God he doesn't ask for it all. He did in Abraham's case. Next, a delayed promise for, for Abraham. It was a delayed promise. It wasn't like, okay, you do this and bang, here you go, open the gift, you know. Three days later, wow. Hebrews 11, 9 to 10 says, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. All the little villages and towns all around, like this was his land, but it was only his land by faith. In reality, he was living in tents. And that's what it says, for he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise, the sons and the grandsons. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. What is it that gives us the ability to live by faith and have it tested, even with delayed promises and where we need endurance over long term? What is it that you need then? You've got to have a vision of something greater that's not even, that never moves. That just never moves. And that means nothing on this earth. Everything on this earth changes. Not in heaven. And he was living with this idea and this concept and this belief in God's plan in an eternal life. Blessed to be with God in heaven through Christ. He was living out a faith towards a city with eternal foundations. More or less the foundation, you know that, that's about that it just won't change. It just nothing, it won't fall down. A city designed and built by God. Great description of heaven. A city designed and built by God. A delayed promise. You and I often have a hard time with delayed answers to prayers and things that we have our faith locked into. When are you going to change them, Lord? When is this going to turn around? When are we going to be out of this? When is a big question in life. And we're always usually in far, can we say, greater pain about that question than God is because he's using it to build endurance through your faith test. He wants you muscular. He wants your faith muscular. A delayed promise. You know, a lot of people think there's only two answers to prayer. Yes and. Are you there? Yes and. There's third. You got it. Wait. Okay, which is almost worse than no. No, really, serious, right? Because it's like, I mean, yes is, okay, whew, great, let's go. No is, uh, I don't like the answer, but I can move on. Next chapter, right? Wait is, wait. What do you know about food in our day and age? What is the one thing we don't want to wait for when we go out? 
food. Waiting is the pain process. It's delayed. It's delayed. You put your order in, and then you watch your watch. That's for everything in life. Gee, God, I put my order in for a great marriage. All the ladies are looking at their watch here. Gee, God, I put my order in for a great business. Gee, God, I put my order in for a really strong family. Wait is the hardest answer, but it's the third of the choices that God has with us. And But wait is the one, by the way, that will grow the most faith in you. Because now you're depending on the character of God to come through. And then an unsolvable problem was brought to Abraham. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. There you see. You see where it all is going to be trusting. Prove me now. Then it says, and so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. <laughs> That's just saying he needed Viagra. Okay. Well, that's the math of it. <clears throat> and she needed, never mind, let's not go there. It was all done that way. See, life was over for that side of life. She, but she believed that God would keep his promise. I love that about her. I mean, in, her, in the core of her heart and dreams, it was always family and generations. And she's been in waiting. She's 10 years younger than him. And you know that it's not until he's 100 and she's 90 years old that Isaac is conceived. All the natural things I love with God, he just says, okay, I'm letting it go to 100, Abraham, because when they read about this later on, I don't want them saying, oh, yeah, that could have happened. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to let Sarah wait till she's 90 because, you know, we want to rule out any idea that somehow this was just a natural thing. You know it. She believed that God would keep his promise. Prove me now. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. And then comes a senseless tragedy. Abraham's challenge of faith. Now are you getting why this guy is honored as the father of faith? It says in Hebrews eleven seventeen through 18, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him. Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. He's saying, you know all the promises I gave you, uh, uh, Abraham? They're all hinged upon Isaac. It's all on him. This is your next generation. Now, take him and sacrifice him to me. If you don't know the story, let me just give you the quick 
Cliff Notes version. He takes him up to a place called Mount Moriah, which is actually in Jerusalem where the temple was built. And on Mount Moriah, there he built an altar. He had taken along the wood. And the son had asked, going up, Isaac asked him, but where's the sacrifice? And, I, and, I, and Abraham's response was, as an old man now, God will provide. Builds the altar, lays the wood out, ties up his son, puts him on the altar, pulls the sacrificial knife, the ceremony knife. He's about to plunge it into the heart of his son because it says that he even believed if that was the case, God can raise the dead. And all of a sudden, God's voice stops him before the thrust. And we struggle with putting a little time and energy on the altar. Have you ever thought about that, you know? We struggle with putting some of our gifts on the, on the altar that God would, could use to bless. Let's read the rest of that particular verse. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac, it's the son through whom your descendants will be counted. See, faith is obeying when I don't understand it. There's no understanding this request by God. How, there's no file to go to and say, well, this makes sense because there's, no, there's nothing to go to and say this fits in the logical sequence of your promises. Faith is obeying when I don't understand it. Hebrews eleven nineteen says, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Over in the, he looked and over in the thickets over here, the thorn thickets over here was caught a ram. So they took the ram and they sacrificed. The ram. There's a lot of things that are going to happen in life to you and even some obediences that are going to outstrip your logic. Does it make sense, God, that I would forgive here? Does it make sense, God, that I would give another chance? It doesn't make sense, God, that I would do that with that money. It doesn't really make sense or logic, God, that I would commit to this. I find people that are pre-Christian faith struggle with saying, but I'm waiting for that one little key piece of knowledge that finishes off the logic sequence that my decision is totally logical. Your decision is totally logical because faith is a part of that decision. Your mind will be fully, fully in gear in making decisions, both coming to faith and then living out faith. But they are not the end of that process. They, the trigger of it, the, the thing that turns the engine on is faith. And then all of the knowledge is, oh yeah, this just makes total sense when I look at it now. I can look at Abraham's story now and see now, see God, what you're doing is giving us a story long before Jesus to say, are you willing, Isaac, is there a man on this planet willing to give up everything that is about the promises and the blessings of his life? Is he willing to give up the best of everything he's got the way that I'm going to with my son?
Third is Moses. God may test your faith with prolonged pain. Hebrews eleven twenty four to 26. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That, there's so much in that statement. It's like, this is absolutely incredible when you think about it. You have Moses in the most advantageous position. You cannot be in a better household than Pharaoh's household in this time of history. They basically have, a civilization is rooted out of Egypt at that time. And so here is Moses in the most civilized, developed, in all ways, society for the days. He has the best, literally, of everything. He has the most opportunity. He has the most promise. Um, and yet he makes a choice when he comes of age. And he gets to understand there's something more in life than what this palace is driving for him. And he says, this isn't going to be the core of my life. I'm, there's more. I know there's more. You know, there's a sense in us always about that there is more. You know that in Ecclesiastes, the Bible says, God spoke this and he said, I have set eternity in the hearts of men. More or less, when you allow yourself to connect deepest with yourself, you find that belief starting to emerge. There's more to this than this. And that's exactly where Moses was. By faith, though, Moses, without, without really knowing where this leads, took a step out. And he said, here I know I got to leave this. Because this, this is cheapening my life. Boy, comforts. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused. Big word. A lot of times the success of anything you're going to do in life is not what you necessarily just bring to it, but is what you refuse to allow to come to it. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's <laughs> grandson of Pharaoh, guys. Just, if you know history, you know what that, that would be. It'd be unbelievable as far as man's measurement. He chose, see that key word? Chose to be mistreated. You and I get mistreated, but I don't know how many choices we've made. I choose that mistreatment. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Two things there. He's making it very plain. The treasures of Egypt were at his disposal. He made a conscious choice, one based on faith, that caused him to regard something else of greater treasure. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because, because, and this is a key thing. Wouldn't you want to know when somebody makes that decision why they make it? Here's the why. He was looking ahead to his reward. All of three of these guys had this permanent concept of their life, an eternal permanence. Not a temporal permanence, because that's not permanent. They had an eternal permanence. And that eternal permanence 
was something in which they could plant their feet and look ahead to and thereby have strength in their faith in the times that they're in now where their cost paying will be done. I always enjoy in hearing about couples that have their children. First child comes along and my thing is, you know, oh, congratulations. Congratulations. And in behind in my mind is going, you have no idea. <laughs> you doing the same thing? You have no idea what's coming. And you think you do, but it ain't going to happen that way. And when you take a look at how everything can change within this society in which we live, in our humanity in which we live, you need something that's not going to change. And God has given you that in Christ. He's given you access to the Father. Jesus himself put it this way, that he was the only way to the Father. No other way. Finally, faith is persisting when I don't feel like it. Hebrews eleven twenty seven says, By faith he left Egypt, Moses did, for not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Remember I said there's a certain blindness that must be there for faith to actually operate? How can faith be faith if there's no blindness to start with? If you can see it all, you don't need faith. He persevered because he saw him who was in. What kind of eyes saw him? Faith. You have the ability to see Christ, to see God at work in your life, to see God in ways, yes, through his word, the scriptures, and through the impressions and the talks that you have with him, through your prayers and the way that he responds to them through the whispers that can come in the night when you're awake at three or four in the morning and things are tumbling over because they're in an uncontrolled, perceptive uh, place in your life where you perceive no help. You can see no way out. What do you see right now in these challenges that are beyond your capacities to control. And the only thing you're left with really is a response and then a choice. The response will be, I recommend this, go to God quickly. Your choice, you're in a beautiful place. Why are you in a beautiful place? You are in a beautiful place because you have an opportunity for great joy when these troubles of, kind, of these kind come your way. And I would highly recommend that you prove him now. Would you stand with me, please? Just grab one thing in your life right now that you know is beyond. It's just beyond you. If you can't.
can't find one. Hmm. Have you ever heard of denial? It is not a river in Egypt. To use a very old joke. As we pray, would you choose that thing? And take a look at your choice now. What's your response? Are you going to look to God? If you are, then let's look to him. Right from the inside, just look to him. And then choose to prove him now. The hardest thing to get out of is the problem-solving business when we think we can solve the problem, but we really can't solve the problem. If you didn't get that, buy the CD or watch it online. Fathers, we bow our heads before you, every one of us. We'll more than likely be able to pull up things that are very current. Things that are beyond us. We, we, we've got hope for it, but they're beyond us. We don't have the capacities. We don't have the power just to be able to go and do it or make it happen. And yet, Lord, these things are intertwined with our lives and we hurt with it. it, it we, we have the frustration that comes with, with destructive forces that we can't seem to stop. We have, we have, Lord, this place that just seems like we can't climb out of. But, Father, right now I pray in all of our hearts around this room, that there will be a looking to you, Lord, like Noah, like Abraham, and like Moses. But looking to you very specifically and looking to you, Lord Jesus, totally to prove you now. Because we need you. You don't need us, but we need you. We need you. So, Lord, we give you that economic issue. We give you that relational issue. We give you that child issue. We give you the health issue. We give you, Lord, these heart emotional issues. We give you, Lord, the weaknesses of our life that have brought destructive forces into our life. We give to you, Lord, our humanity, our inability to be all that we know we can be. But we're trying to be that without the designer and the creator. So we give it to you. In essence, we give you ourselves. And thank you, Lord, that you've given us the ability to choose faith. Now, if you're here today and you've never received or opened your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity right here. Every day brings you opportunity. I'm just going to recognize it with you. To receive Jesus is a matter of simple faith. To surrender your life to God is means to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ was either who he said he was or he's the greatest deceiver of all times. You can't make him just a good teacher because he didn't just teach good things. He claimed Godhood to be the Son of God, the Messiah. And you have to make a choice about that someday. Maybe today's your day. If you do, just in the quietness of your own heart, here's a little prayer to release a little faith for you. And you'll borrow these words. Pray them in your heart. He knows your thoughts before you even think them. So 
He's got you covered on that. And you say, Father, I certainly don't have all my blanks filled in. But I got enough tug going on in my heart right now to know that I need to respond to this. And I want to open my life and say, I want you in it. So I receive your son, Jesus Christ, as my savior from my sins. I accept the fact that his payment on the cross was my payment with you. And this is how I clear all debts. Wash my life. Cleanse me. And rebuild me. And unleash in me the kind of life that I know I've always wanted to live. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572, or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.